What's up, fellas? NFL draft coming up here uh, here in just a few hours from when I'm recording this. Uh, hopefully, you guys are going to enjoy that. Just gives us uh, again something to do. Um, might be a huge night. It looks like for offensive tackles. Got a big one coming out of University of Houston that that I'm excited about. And so uh, it'll be cool. It'll be cool to see some big guys. Hopefully, make uh, a whole lot of money uh, like they deserve. So uh, hopefully, you guys are checking that out tonight. I know I will be. Also, if you need anything from us, videos, podcasts, anything, go check us all out, uh, all that over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is teambuilder.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Brian Scott. Coach Scott is the O-line coach at Towson University. Listen as we talk with Coach Scott about game planning, play calling, and being balanced on offense during his days at Old Dominion and Maine. You can follow Coach Scott on Twitter at CoachBroScott. Hope you guys enjoy. You know, it's funny, like I've been the offensive coordinator the last 13 years and I just got here to Towson and I, it's three weeks to spur and I don't want to change things up for these kids. Right. Um, you know, so I'm going to try and learn, <laughs> learn his terminology here pretty quick, which is, you know, I've never, I've been doing my own stuff for so long. Yeah, that that's, I think that's kind of tough at times. Um, you know, like we had, we had a coach that I think you, you want to be an expert at your own thing. Um, but then I think that also there's, there's little things that uh, you'd rather switch than have the kids switch. Like we had an offensive line coach come in um, and all of our, our protections were always our right side is the slide side and the left side would be the man side. Well, the very next coach that came in, our protection was their sliding left and the right side was the man side. Yeah. And so a, a huge change and shift for us when it would have been a lot easier for him to change on, on a point like that. Uh, and then like our slip and scoop on the backside, you know, scoop was with the center and guard. Then our next line coach wanted scoop to be uh, tackled guard and slip to be center guard. And so, yeah. uh, you know, and we didn't end up using any of it anyways <laughs> when we were actually in the game. Right, right. You would probably went back to your old stuff. That's exactly right. Or we just said, hey, me and you to that guy. Yeah, yeah. That's So I'm going to try and get with these guys and just try and learn, just watch it with them and say, hey, what do you guys see this as? I want you two working together. What are you calling? Right. So as much as I can, use their terminology and, and try and install that. You know, kind of kind of how we always start this thing is going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself and give us kind of your – your football journey as far as like, you know, playing to coaching days. And, and um, I know you already kind of told us 
you know, about, uh, you know, coaching for 13 years at Old Dominion and then, uh, but then kind of how it got you to where you are now. Yeah, well, I started, I played quarterback at uh, the University of Maine, um, home state. That's my home state university. I didn't have a, the career I thought I was going to have. Uh, taught me a lot, though. Best thing that happened to me is I didn't transfer. Uh, I stuck through it. Uh, then got out of football for a little bit and had a, had a burning desire to get back into coaching football after I realized what the real world's all about and realized it wasn't for me. Uh, had a chance to go back to the Northeast. Uh, UMass Lowell was my first job when they had football. I was there for a year coaching quarterbacks. Uh, Tennessee Martin for a season after that, coaching wideouts and tight ends. Uh, then I had a chance to go back with uh, my college coach, uh, Coach Bobby Wilder at the University of Maine, and start out coaching running backs and tight ends. And he was in a sit where, as crazy as it sounds, they were running the power. That's how they, he was feeding his family at the time running the power play, uh, and so he was losing O-line coaches every year because they were so good at it. But he said, come back, learn from this guy, John Strollo, who he's only going to be here for a year. Uh, and I just sat there and sat in his office all the time, just asking questions, learn, trying to learn O-line. It was the most I learned football, you know, being a quarterback. I always thought I knew everything <laughs> outside in. And then when I got to watch it inside out, it just changed my life. And I fell in love with coaching O-line. Uh, after Coach Strollo did leave after a year, went to Duke, uh, took over O-line coach for uh, two years there at Maine, and Coach Wilder got the head job down at Old Dominion to start the football program, and I've been there. We took two years not even playing games, just building the program, and been there ever since. We've had a lot of success. Uh, started as 1AA independent, went to the CAA. After our first year there, we finished – uh, second in the CAA. The next year we won it. Then we had the chance to go up to Conference USA. Um, and our second year in Conference USA, we went 10-3, and three, tied for the East uh, title. We lost the tiebreak with Western Kentucky. Um, and then we kind of fell on some tough times a little bit these past couple of years, uh, which we all know what happens when you run into tough times in this profession. That's you get right. Go, and I just fortunately had the um, – uh, got picked up by Coach Ambrose here at uh, Towson University as the um, run game coordinator, offensive line coach, and excited to be here. He's got a great program. Well, what was that uh, that switch like? You know, going from a quarterback to an offensive lineman, uh, offensive line coach. Yeah, I don't think you probably hear that very often. At least we haven't. We've done you know quite a few episodes. That's that's one of the first that we've heard. You know, going from quarterback uh, to coaching the offensive line. What was that? Uh, initial transition for you probably not knowing um, almost any of the intricacies of being an offensive lineman well I think that's the biggest thing is the intricacies of it and how detailed it is and and you think you know sometimes when you're a quarterback oh look at this guy he, that block stinks or he's staying it's really not all his fault I mean there's five guys up there and you know when you when you realize who's got to help who and how, how this whole thing works you, you realize it's a lot more difficult than what you think it is when you're a quarterback watching film and going, oh, he stinks, he just got beat. You know, you, you don't understand. It's not always his fault. Sometimes it's another guy's fault that was supposed to be there. And how much detail goes into those five guys working as one? I don't think you understand that until you've actually tried to coach it and trying to get those guys organized as one. 
Coach, what were some of the things you kind of pulled away from uh, Coach Strahlo? I know we've had a few guys on that have, have had really good things to say, and I know I've, I've followed him a, quite a bit as well and think he does a, a phenomenal job. You know, how did he kind of get you started in the O-line game? Well, you know, the, the first thing I realized really, really quickly with Coach Strollo is he sees it different than everybody else. Um, I mean, you could be looking at something that's white, and he's seeing it in a million different variations of white. So what I learned really fast with Coach Strollo is process the information up first, go back and watch it about 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30 times to try and figure out Ah, that's what he's saying. And he was all about angles. He was always about angles and leverage and force. And uh, he really taught me the mathematics of playing offensive line and what goes along with that. And like I said, you just used to have to listen, watch it once. I have no idea what he's talking about. Watch it twice. Okay. And then. After about 10 times, like, oh, I'm starting to see it now. And it made so much sense. And I, I use his terminology to this day. Now, I was just saying, I might have to change this year because spring ball starts in three weeks. And uh, it would be easy for me to learn uh, their terminology here at Towson than, than uh, mine. But, you know, I've used all his techniques up to this day. That's the sensei. Well, that's, um, you know, I think that, we were kind of talking, like you said before, about how uh, you might have to end up ter- uh, changing some of that lingo, some of that terminology. Um, what are your thoughts maybe on uh, keeping I'm, – I'm sure there's certain aspects that you'd want to keep no matter what, uh, but then with it being spring ball so so shortly, what are some things that, that you're pretty open to, uh, you know, calling it whatever the kids want to call it? Well, just combination blocks. And, and um, what, what do they call their guard – Backside guard tackle. Is it a scoop? I've always called it a take. Now that's coming right from Coach Jolo. And, and uh, whatever they call it, that's what we're going to run. Obviously, I have techniques that I believe in that, um, that, I, that I'm going to install and implement. But as far as the language goes, it's all the same stuff. You know, a three-man combo is a three-man combo, regardless of what you call it. A two-man combo is a two-man combo, regardless of what you call it. And I want to call, I want to run their terminology from a call standpoint, as opposed to reteaching all new language that's going to take them all the way through camp to learn anyway, not just ball. So uh, like we were saying before, it's easier for for one guy, me, to learn their language and, and try and implement it from there than it is for me to teach 15 guys how to speak a language. So. Uh, basically calls and communication, um, you know, is an out call. Do we call, you know, if we're getting a fire or rifle from the field, are we calling it a push, a press, an out, you know. Mm-hmm. I've always called it an out. If they don't call it that, they call it something. I guarantee that. And that's <laughs> well, Coach, so I'm kind of curious, you know, going into uh, at least as an offensive line coach, I've only been at this one place and, you know, I've only been here five years, but it's, it's the place I've been the whole time. And, and, uh, you know, you being at the same college for a long time, it's like at, at the end of, you know, the season, maybe even halfway through the season, you're already thinking of, okay, these are the drills we're going to work in spring ball. I know where our next group up is good at this and they're not good at this. So I want to work 
you know, these things to try to, to get them up to the certain level. Uh, but, but switching over now and, and coming into a new group of kids that you haven't seen yet, um, how much, you know, how much film are you watching or are there different things that you're going to do at the beginning of spring to see where they are at, uh, you know, because you have no prior knowledge of yourself uh, of, you know, what these kids need or, uh, you know, maybe what their base is. Uh, so how, how are you, how do you plan on finding that? Uh, is it mostly through film? Is it a way that you're going to practice at the beginning? Uh, what's your kind of thought on, on coming into a new group of guys? You know, I think it's interesting, and I learned this from uh, Coach Blackwell, who was our defensive coordinator uh, at Old Dominion and who just got hired as defense coordinator at Louisiana Tech. And when he came to Old Dominion, he didn't want any pre-notions on guys that were already there. He wanted to just look at it and try and – because he might see something that somebody else didn't like, but he likes. And I know the year before he came to Old Dominion, he was a defensive coordinator at East Carolina. And he took the fifth string running back at East Carolina and made him the defensive player of the year in Conference USA that year. It's a kid that nobody wanted. And, you know, I'm trying to go in with an open mind here and block out what people are saying about this kid, that kid. Obviously, there's some things I need to know more personally than anything else. But today was the first day I watched film on him. Fortunately, we got everybody's coming back that they didn't lose one old lineman. Uh, you know, and I think it all starts – would write it from your stance and trying to get on the same page with everybody, how we're teaching our stance, how we're teaching our base first step, how we're teaching inside zone or tight zone, whatever we're calling it, and starting from, from scratch and, and going from there. Uh, now, they, they were pretty good last year. It's a pretty good old line. And, uh, I'm excited to work with them. And, and I'm just looking to see where they're at movement all that stuff you know when I when I first start there is that kind of where you plan on your your base or your first day is is kind of being a zone inside zone is that kind of where you start everything off of or, or base everything off of I've based everything off of inside zone in the past that's what I've done now coach Ambrose is the offensive coordinator or he's the head coach but he, he he's running the offense and uh you know, I we haven't really sat down and hashed out a whole sure. bunch of things as a vet, but as everything I've taught in the past is based off a, a two and three hole inside zone play that translates to pass protections and everything else in the uh, in the whole system, and then taking it from there. Coach, you talk about your system, and I know I've I've watched you guys play several games at at Ultimate. I was at Tulsa for a while too, so got to you know know you guys in in Conference USA a little bit. But, uh, you know, you guys were known for a while there for offensive balance. I mean, you'd have, you know, 3,000-yard passers. You'd have 1,000-yard receivers. And you guys would have some 1,000-yard backs. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the intentionality of that, kind of, you know, making sure we can do both. And, and maybe that likens to kind of some of your play calling ability, you know, being a quarterback, but also having some knowledge, you know, of the run game and the offensive line. Yeah, I, I think I think the first and foremost, you you got to – you got to tailor it to who's your best player, who, who are you going to make your money on? Is it your running back? Is it your wideouts? Is it your quarterback? And, and, and go from there. That's what, that's where it starts. It's players. It's coaches can do whatever it's, it's players. And, and as far as if I had a crystal ball or a book and I'd say, Hey, let's be 50, 50 on everything, right, right down the board, you know, 
whether it's down and distance, field zone, whatever it is, let's be 50 run, 50 pass. If you had a perfect world, it doesn't always work like that. You know, these are 17 to 22 year old kids. Uh, they do different things and uh, they don't, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. And you got to kind of adapt to, to, to what works out. And uh, you know, I, at Old Dominion, we didn't, we became an air raid team much like you were at, at Houston. And, but we tripped into that. I mean, we were trying and we were pretty good when we first started out at running the ball with quarterback power, that stuff. We were trying to emulate a little bit of Pat, Pat White when he was at West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And we tripped into a quarterback who ended up being our best player. We got into air raid. We had some unbelievable wideouts and our run game was still good with that. You know, we, we were running the inside zone. That's the only run play we ran. We got pretty good at it. And as we went along, we knew we had to evolve because we weren't going to have a quarterback like that forever. <laughs> right. So we got into some tight end stuff and, you know, we, we ended up running the ball pretty good out of tight end. Our, our tailback was the best player. We gave him the ball. So uh, play with your best players. When you are, you know, looking, you know, you mentioned run game, uh, you know, coming up with a run game. What are – you come in on a Sunday, what are maybe, what are you first doing? What are you first looking at um, to try to develop your run game? Uh, you know, are you going through, are you saying, hey, our, our, our best run is inside zone and what's our best formations? Or are you going through formation cutups and finding what's the best, you know, defense? You know, what's, the, what's our best formation with, you know, how they tend to line up this year? Or uh, how is maybe your very first day or your first few hours uh, what's that thought process of going through and trying to pick out and decide what your run game is going to be that week? Well, I, I think you got to first and foremost, as crazy as this is, find your shot plays. Hmm. You know, how are you going to get over the top of their defense? Uh, and how are you going to dictate your matchups with that and then build your run game around that? And because that, that's the biggest help to a run game to me. If you can get over the top of a defense and, or create one-on-ones that's that that's the best way to run the football uh in my opinion and, and then it's looking at their personnel you know usually who's their best lineman or who's their best football player and what does he do well and i think the key is is to make sure you stay within what you do and i've done this before where i put too much in you know and we're mm -hmm. running a bunch of hodgepodge of stuff and we're just not good at it Boy, it looks good on the, on, the, on the video screen, but we don't run that play, you know, and uh, you got to stick to what you do. We know we're running inside zone. Okay. Well, how are we getting over the top of the defense? All right. This formation gives our best wide out the play to get to their worst safety. Okay. Well, let's build the run game off that because we're going to take three shots out of this formation. Hmm. So let's build the run game off of that. And I think that's, that's where it first starts. It's trying to get over the top of it. How many shots do you carry then, Coach? Uh, this past year, we probably carried eight shots, um, eight to ten. You know, you're going to call – hopefully you get to call six – all of them you'd like to, but hopefully you get to call six of them, um, you know, in, in different personnel groups. And when we were air raid, we didn't have tight ends. a little tougher to get, um, <laughs> to, get to get the matchups you wanted. But you get some tight ends, especially you get a couple good ones, you can create some matchups out there that are really good shot plays that 
end up helping you in the run later after you do get over the top of people. What the, and then again, so if I had asked too, I mean, you know, knowing you're going to call, you got eight to 10 that you've practiced, know you're going to call six, you know, what are, what are kind of your, you know, go-to spots or go-to locations? Is that kind of a feel thing? Is that something where you're like, hey, first time I crossed the 40, I'm launching it. I mean, what, what's kind of your mindset as far as, you know, the, the implementation of that plan? Yeah, I think it starts, it's a little bit of a feel thing. Um, obviously, shots aren't as good. Now, we're on a minus one. I'm, I'm not running a play action. I'm, I'm running four verts or I'm, you know, yes. getting heavy personnel and taking a shot with a wideout outside. Um, but if, if anything from the minus 40 to the 40, I, I think that's go time. And whether it's a shot play or a trick or a gadget, I think trick play is kind of a bad word nowadays. I, I think that's part of your offense a little bit as it fits into uh, your system. You know, you got your shots, your tricks, and your base stuff, and that's kind of what it is uh, that, you're, that you're playing with. But I think the minus 40 to the 40, that's your zones, where you say, hey, we get a run look, first and 10, second and run. Let's go ahead. Let's try and get one of those. How many protections do you carry out off of some of those play-action shots? Um, I ask because we're going to be a little bit more, maybe 20 personnel this year, um, and, and kind of trying to figure out – you know, do we carry fullback on the inside linebacker and tailback off the edge? Uh, do we carry the five-man slide, fullback steal off the edge, and then tailback after the fake be the extra guy? Do we carry both of them? You know, we're trying to – we're kind of in that limbo right now. Uh, what? How many or, or what play action protections do you guys normally bring into the game? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it really – it really depends. You're talking about 20 personnel. Um, you know, with tight ends, we're trying to bring probably eight protections into the game. And some of those are um, very – they're whether one tight end's releasing, both tight ends are in, mm. and it's full slide, whether you call that a different protection or not, trying to get as much carryover as possible and make it easy on the O-line. Right. They have the hardest job week to week. Um, you know, I would say probably eight protections. Now, I'm always carrying a chip protection in. And whether it's a double chip or a single chip, we're, we're, if they got a dude, we're, we're carrying a chip protection in every week. So I say 20 personnel, and we're carrying a seven-man chip on the edges protection. Hmm. Or if we got a chip inside, uh, like one year we played Pitt at Pitt against Aaron Donald. And <laughs> you better believe the slide was going there and the chip yes. was going there. Yeah, better <laughs> And uh, we actually had a little success. That was the only game all year he didn't have a sack. But uh, I don't think it's because we blocked them. I think our quarterback was, was pretty good at kicking the ball out of there. So uh, <laughs> that helps. Yeah. But I think, you know, probably a few more if you have tight ends. If you don't have tight ends, I'm probably carrying four or five protections, and that's it. I always like to have at least one or two ways to move the pocket. I think that helps changing the launch point. Um, you know, so like I said, with tight ends, probably eight to ten. With no tight ends – probably four or five is that you know you talk about chipping and, and it's not something that we've really got into because it, it in high school I don't know maybe just poorly coached but is that something that you're just telling your your tailbacks hey you're going to chip in, in your fullbacks or is there some kind of a drill that you guys go over to work chipping as their release or, or do they have some some big rules for when they chip um, how, how do you guys implement that 
Yeah, it's actually kind of a, a unique skill. I know some people, some old line coaches think it hurts you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think some of it too, we do, it's hard to practice. You know, you're not going to do it in one-on-ones. Um, you know, it's more just doing it with your running back coach, working on it, um, and then doing it in team periods. Now, I will say this. Um, it's If you do it, you have to practice it because it is different for the O-line and it's different for the running back, and you got to work on your, your launch points for the tight end, and they got to know, hey, shoot, I don't even need to chip here. I can get out. And I also think it goes back to your quarterback a little bit, too. If your quarterback's a guy that can make somebody miss, to me, you're better off getting the back out as fast as humanly possible because now you're causing matchups on the linebackers, whereas he, he's chipping, he's not getting out as quick. You right. know? Uh, now, if your quarterback's a drop-back guy, doesn't move as well, likes to pump it down the field, that's really when we're chipping. But I, I do think it's something. If you're going to do it, you have to practice it. It's got to be part of your weekly prep. Uh, you got to run it every day. Coach, is that something too? When you guys do chip, or you know, you're double chipping with you know the H back and the back. How are you guys kind of communicating those routes? Is it automatic? You know, they both head to their flats. Do they both go to the right? Both go to the left? You know, I've seen it a bunch of different ways. Is is, is that something you guys kind of have one, or is that something you guys are able to tag and communicate? No, it's it's mem- we're we're a word team. Or well, that's what we've been at Old Dominion in the past. It's, it's all words. So, and we have one word tells us everybody's route, and our backs would just have to know the concept of the route. Meaning, if we're running a comeback outside, we're not driving to the flat chip drive. We're going to trip chip hook. If we're running a dig route or a curl route behind it, we're going to chip drive. You know, in one word. We'd have one word for the protection, and for example, hawk would be our seven-man chip, and then one word for the uh, route. So let's say we ran Zippo. We'd, we'd tell everybody what they're running, and it's just a memorization piece. Coach, so I'm, I'm kind of curious. I had a, uh, you know, my, our head coach right now where I'm at, Broken Arrow, played uh, center for the Eagles for 10 years, uh, and so he's got things that he – he's been taught as a lineman, but he hated as a lineman. Like uh, they would do some, some, you know, big on big protections and, and it puts him as the center on a big Island with, with a nose guard that's it makes it really, really difficult and he hates it. And so, you know, as a coach, he's like, I don't care what the guru coaches say. I'm not doing that to my center. Um, as a quarterback now, you know, being a coordinator at, at so was there any things that like, uh, people have told you as a quarterback or have been like, oh, man, empty looks so great. But now when you're back there at quarterback, you're hating it. Uh, did you did you um, go through any of that process from a player to then a coach of being like, yeah, I get it. It looks good on, on paper. But now uh, being in that actual spot, it uh, wasn't much fun. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. And I, I think it I think it all goes down to your players, too, like what they feel comfortable doing. And you can tell when a guy feels comfortable or doesn't feel comfortable. And uh, I, I think when I was younger, I was hard-headed. And there's one way to do it, and that's the only way to do it. And da da da. But now as I get older, and I'm trying to think of an example to where, boy, I hate that as a player, and I'll never do that to – you know what? Uh, I, I guess um, third down, sprint out, inside the five-yard line. 
<laughs> you know, that's something as a player I was like, this doesn't look like down half the field, da-da-da. But, you know, some guys like it, some guys don't. Um, I'm, you know, I'm never doing that because I feel like you're taking away a lot of options for the quarterback. And if I'm a quarterback, I want my options. So, um, you know, I, I just think you got to look at who your five guys are up front. And there's going to be the first best player, second best player. You know, if, you're, if your center gets stuck on an island on a nose and he's the best player, like this year at Old Dominion, our center was our best player. And every week we went into the game saying, we're going to stress Isaac Weaver. Like, guys, go double with our tackle. He's a freshman. You know, guard, get out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't know that we're going to – and then the next best player, stress him. You know, if he's got to get left alone, you leave him alone. I think the biggest thing I've done as a coordinator or as a going from quarterback to O-line coach, and some O-line coaches don't like this, um, our quarterbacks handle all our protections. Mm-hmm. And, and there is no gray area. And I tell him he's God. He makes a call. He is God. Mm-hmm. There is no overriding him because he's the guy that knows what the routes are. So he knows where his eyes are going to be, and he knows who he wants to be throwing hot off. So I guess with your question, that's the scenario. Like, if I can't control my protections, I don't want to be back here. You know, if I know I'm going to get drilled in the teeth and I can't, you know. So our quarterbacks, wherever I've been, the way we've done it is they handle all the protections. And I couldn't imagine being back there. And it's funny, Taylor Heineke, who played for us so good, got to the Vikings. And he changed the protection during practice one time in the center. I looked back at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> he was telling the story. He's like, look, you know. And they're like, no, you can't do that. Like, what? You're not going to let me change my protections? Oh, my so, God. I guess if there's one thing, quarterback to line, it's quarterback has complete freedom. Now, some of the line coaches don't like that. Just let us handle it. Let us handle it. Like, oh. how does he know you're going to get this picked up now? <laughs> you know, so. I love hearing it. I love putting it on the quarterback. I, I'm, you know, I'm just a dumb lineman. So, uh, all I've ever thought was, was, hey, if he wants to be protected, he, he should, he can see everything. He knows where his eyes need to be. And then, like you said, if we're going to have, if he's going to have to be hot off certain things, to me, I'd like for him to know it. But that's just me as a lineman. And also, uh, it's, I think a lot more difficult to have my center or one of my tackles who are down trying to see past defensive ends, read safeties or see the whole field. Oh, I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and it goes back to the reads different on every play. So how, how does your, you're going to teach your old line, the reads, you know, like our hot routes over here. I'm, I'm protecting my backside. I know I can take this thing in the face, even though it's obvious they're coming or I want them to come. I want to be hot because I got a great matchup. You know, I, I, I think it's all in the quarterback. Yeah, I, I think, too. I mean, you, you talk about, like, the relationship between the O-line and, and QB. I mean, it, obviously, it's going to be different in college. Those guys, you know, are, are together more. But, you know, to me, it takes some of that, you know, you know, blaming the O-line, blaming the QB. It takes some of that off. To me, again, the quarterback, that's what I could tell them flat out. Hey, man, it's on you. You own it. You know, now, it's if there's funny something – take- yeah, now that you know, you're not, you're not saying, well, well, man, let's go. You guys should have that picked up. They brought five, you know, you guys are calling the protection instead. Now it's, Hey, that's my bad. I got to get the ball out or, Hey, it was my bad. I, I should have flipped it the other direction. I think now the quarterback takes that ownership and there's none of that bickering that goes back and forth. At least maybe there's less. Well, you know, it's funny. I've been around some old line guys who, who they kind of panic when they, why didn't he change the protection then? You know, 
uh, well, he, that's on him. You know, it's not on you guys. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, it, well, quarterback's getting hit. It's a whole lot. No, it's not. He's in charge of the protections. If he gets hit by an um, that's on him. You know, and, and not every not not every quarterback can do it. We had problems this year at Old Dominion, uh, especially early on, uh, being a little bit overwhelmed with that. Not only learning the pass system, but then having to call protections. And usually, it's the last thing to come for a quarterback. Now. We ended up going to a true freshman late in the year. He was unbelievable at it. It made complete sense to him. And, you know, but to put it all on the O-line, to, that's crazy to me. You're back there. You see it. You know where the ball's supposed to go. You call it. Yeah, I, I think it's weird, too. I mean, I'd, I'd love to, you know, at the same time, you know, okay, well, hey, left guard, uh, you know, who, what's the hot route on that then, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know. That's, it, that's the part that makes me laugh. Yeah, like like your left guard knows that his eyes are going to be over there. Come on now. He's just trying to survive, you know, <laughs> if he's playing inside. That's right. And if you got, like, a really smart guy, uh, then he's kind of screwing up the whole protections just to save himself. You got a really smart center. He's sliding it to the the worst D lineman. There's no doubt. I I just think, in my opinion, your quarterback has to be a reflection of your coordinator, and the fact that he, especially now with RPO games and you know all the decisions. I mean, you're basically the offensive coordinator out there. It's just happening on the snap, and you got to be able to trust that guy to put you in the best situations. In my opinion. Completely agree. Coach, with RPOs, you know, how much of that has kind of changed, you know, your philosophy? Was it something you jumped, you dived right into? Was it something you kind of, you know, ah, let's test it a little bit? Or was it something like, man, this, this is great. We love it and we use it a lot. Well, you know, we use it a lot. And whether you call – usually with our inside zone stuff, we, we, we use hot routes, you know, fade flats, slants, slices – things to get out quicker. Um, we've gone to duo for a little more down the field, seven step routes. And, um, and it's been great. You know, we played a whole game just running duo RPO versus Virginia tech. And I think we threw for almost 500 yards uh, or quite a big chunk of yards in that game. And we beat them one year at old dominion. Um, just getting our matchups. We took our two best players, they played, you know, Coach Foster at Tech's playing man coverage. He's going to play man coverage no matter what. We put our two best wideouts on, on there, and they played man coverage the whole time. We ran duo RPO the whole game. And, you know, it was great. Now, I think there is, I, you know, you have a game like that, and I think you kind of fall in love with it, especially when you had two wideouts, two NFL wideouts like we had. Um, but I think there is some – you do it too much, I think it can soften up your O-line. And it can turn into kind of, uh, do we really come off hard here because we're going to get downfield and all that stuff? And I think there's got to be a balance of it, almost like a play-action pass. Uh, you know, I don't think you – I think it's still at some point you got to kill it. you got to just line up, run the ball, kill the play. Yeah, there is no RPO. We're giving the ball no matter what. And Because uh, if you do it too much, which I think we did the one year, I think it softened us up in the run game. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I've said a, a few times uh, these past, you know, past few episodes or whatever. But, um, it, you know, RPOs have kind of been been the big thing the last five years or so. Uh, but we were running it, you know, t you know, whatever it was, 10 years ago when I was at Houston in 2010, Case was 
we, they weren't called RPOs, but there's more than six guys in the box. He was throwing it out there. You know, we had no idea when he was throwing it when he's not. So, at least in the air raid system, it seems like it's been around for a while that, hey, if, if the run's not there, we're going to toss it out there. Um, my other thing, Coach, is, is I've kind of been the um, – I've, I've been a duo hater um, with not understanding and maybe not wanting to understand the difference in, you know, tight or inside zone in duo. Or, or maybe, maybe I understand it but, but don't really see the, the necessity to have both inside zone and duo. Can you maybe talk me through it or talk me through kind of how those two differ for you guys uh, in your run game? Yeah, I could, tell, I, I could take you through a whole year of uh, exactly why you need it. Um, and actually, when we talk about our two wideouts that we had that year, all we were running was duo, 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 and we couldn't get anything go. Even so, the people had to cloud these two wideouts. This is back in 2018, and they were studs. They were six foot four. Nobody could guard them, and they're both in the NFL now. And we ran so much duo RPO, we stopped running inside zone, and teams started clouding. They started clouding um, our wideouts and playing cover two, and we still couldn't. We couldn't run the duo, and it's because all the linebackers were rocking back over the top. They knew we were running duo. They knew where the ball was going, and the reason I and I learned a huge lesson that year. Like you need inside zone. If they're just going to keep rocking this thing back, rocking it back, you need the front door hit. And in duo, you're not getting the front door. Hit. You know, it's not coming out. He's not supposed to cross that midline. So the reason I'm a believer in you need both is they're better, they're rocking that thing back. That ball better end up out the front door at some point, you know. And if you can get that mix of the front door hit with the duo coming back, I think it's a great mix, uh, you know. And I think if you're just doing one, if you're just doing inside zone, I think you need the duo. You know, I think you need them both. I really do. And I went through a whole year just running duo, 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 and once teams figured it out, it was all rocked back by the linebackers, and there was literally nowhere to put the ball. And we're trying to figure out to tell a running back something, and it's like, uh, you know, I don't even know. Shoot. Go back and look at it in the offseason. You know, shoot. This should be out the front door if it was inside zone. You know, um, there's more flow to the zone uh, out the front door, and the back's got to try and get it there if with all that rock back. That's my opinion. I got you, Coach. I got you. So um, that's that's really what it comes down to for you is is the option for the tailback. I mean, inside zone, you're going to give the option to rock it back, but if the front door's open, he's hitting it. And then duo, you're telling him you're never to cross the center's midline. Cor correct. Yes, that's the whole reason right there. I think you need the front door hit. I think the inside zone, you got to preach to your back. You're trying to press this out the two hole or out the three hole. And trying to get it out the front door, and then if it winds back, great. Now you got flow, and it winds back, and you can ride that wave. But uh, you know, I think just to run duo duo by itself, I think it, it can be a real challenge. What What do you think caused your your duo RPO game to be so good, um, but then maybe your inside zone RPO game to be lacking behind that? Well, I don't know that our inside zone game was lacking behind it. I think. It was we, – we do things quicker pace throws with our inside zone game. Okay. You know, our duo game, we, 
then that's where it probably turned into a little more of a protection and not as aggressive up front. But um, we, we feel like with the duo, there's such a gap, a, a gap play that you, you can hold a gap and a quarterback can take an extra second for, you know, a seven-step route as opposed to, like, like you guys, we were on the inside zone back in shoot same time you were with, at Houston. And, you know, I'm sure Keenan was just flipping that ball around and that's what Taylor was doing yeah. with us. So just where's the space, you know, and he was just taking a hitch, taking a smoke. You know, I think inside zone, if you're running inside zone, sometimes you're trying to hold, hold on for a glance. You, just a little more difficult, in my opinion. Coach, what was your way for you guys to get outside? You know, I think that, at least in the gun, I think that outside zone or wide zone to me is really, really difficult unless you have a really fast special back. Uh, you know, maybe pistol can can take care of that for you, but um, it, it makes it a little more difficult to get it get the ball ran outside. What is your what was kind of your your um, your outside play or your way to stretch the field uh, in the run game? You know, I I think we we always have in our package. We've always had whether we call it speed option or with the O-line going and leaving the M-man or bash option where the O-line goes one way and you're blocking, you're running option the other way with the quarterback and the running back. Um, I think the power read is a great way to get the ball on the perimeter, uh, especially if they're going to play the quarterback. If you have a quarterback that can run, I think that is the great way to, to get on the perimeter. And this past year we had – uh, Coach Steinspring, who's a longtime offensive coordinator from Virginia Tech, come to us. He had just come from Maryland, um, where he, he worked as the O-line coach for Matt Canada, and we were doing their jet game, their jet yeah. sweep game. Yeah, and I fell in love with it. Now, I think if hindsight 2020, if I could go back and do it again, I probably installed it all too fast. Um, there's a, I mean, obviously Canada, I think had been running it for however long and, you know, had all the, the encyclopedia to it. And I would have slowed that down, but we had a ton of success and I loved it, especially under center where you could give the jet and run the zone the other way, or you could fake the jet, run the zone the same way. Um, I loved it under center and I thought there was great action off it with the jet coming through, faking the back and taking a shot on the post. Um, that's something I love having in the package to get the ball to the perimeter. Yeah, I loved watching watching his offense. I, I think it was at – was he at Pitt for a while? Yeah, he was at Pitt and he, he killed we, it at Pitt. And, we watched a lot of him at Pitt uh, and, and put it in a little bit of our offense, but we didn't run it much. But, you know, running the inside zone to the left and, and taking the tight end and wing or sometimes just the tight end with the jet sweep away from it. Um, did, you guys, uh, did you guys let your quarterback read that out uh, pre-snap with the jet give or the inside zone, or was it all called for you guys? Well, you know, that's, that's the million-dollar question right there. <laughs> Coach Steinspring presented it. Um, it was read, you right. know, quarterbacks reading it. Um, now I didn't know all the problems, you know, that, that could arise from it. And I don't think our quarterback coach really was comfortable telling the quarterback you're reading this. Cause we went through a bunch of different looks. Well, at the end of the day, very much like the RPO, you're good either way. 
you know, 90% of the times you could give it or you, you could hand the jet, right. You know, you're good either way. So the, the odds of him making a bad decision aren't that big. So, but to start, we called it for him and we'd have some success, you know, calling it, giving the ball, giving the ball. Well, then team started walking up and we, we called it. He didn't have the option to give it. And so it was a TFL. And then I wouldn't run it again because we weren't reading it. And I think after about four or five games, then we went, okay, you're reading this. You know, you lean to give the jet this week. We want to give the jet if we can. Or this week we want to give the inside zone. But if you get a bad look, you know, you got to give the ball to the running back if there's two walked up, out, up, outside the, uh, the edge of the jet sweep. And like I said, hindsight 2020, it's my first time running it. If I did it again, I would have put it in a lot slower and the quarterback would have been reading it the whole time. What do you, what would you, cause I think there's a lot of guys in me in particular that um, if I ever get to be an OC one day, I'm probably bringing that with me. Um, what, how would you install it slower? What do you think that install would look like as far as slowly? I mean, are you talking, just inside zone, pairing it with inside zone? Are you are you talking just having only a tight end or only tight end wing? How would you slow that down exactly. and maybe what would that look like? Exactly. Only a tight end to start. We're only going to arc mm-hmm. out of 11 personnel for the first two days. Okay, now we're going to add the tight end and the tackle. They're both going to arc. Or the tight end and the wing. They're, they're both arcing. And this is on install, you know, the third day. And gotcha. You know, and in the way the way I was taught it, you get into and we got into this versus Virginia Tech um, when we were calling it, not reading it. We came out and had a ton of success giving the ball on the jet. We 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 should have come back. We did come back to the zone, but I should have left a tight end in, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand all the nuances of it. I had the words for it. I just didn't have the in-game – I hadn't done it enough to in-game be like, oh, I need to get to, you know, one tight end arcing, one tight end on the backside, and we got these guys, you know. Um, you kind of got to coach yourself through a little bit and get used to it. You know, when I was doing the air raid, I shoot, I, mean, I could call that blind, you know. <laughs> yeah. But this stuff, I was learning it, and I had too much in on game day for myself, not knowing – I wasn't good enough at it yet to get to the answers that now that I go back and look at it, I'm like, oh, what an idiot I am. You know, this was easy. <laughs> you know, but when I was learning it on the fly, I was like, ah, you know, I couldn't get to it in the game. And I had too much of it in, and that's why. Coach, how do you guys kind of operate, you know, with your, uh, your screen game? Is it all just kind of key screen, you know, throwing it lateral, or do you guys have – you know, some different things maybe you'll throw to the H-back and the, and the running backs. I'm always interested to hear some of the screen stuff, too. Yeah, I, I think screens are, are huge. You know, it's, it's a little different, um, you know, as, when you're air raid as opposed to more tight ends. Um, but I think any screen, if you can mirror it off your, your run action or your play action shots, I think it's golden. I think it's great. I love tailback screens. We we had a couple good good ones this year. Um, now, when we were air raid, it was all outside screens. 
you know, is kicking the ball outside to the to your best player, just smoking it out there, getting your old lineman out there. Um, as we became more RPO-ish, tight end-ish, uh, it was more running back screens. We actually had a really good tight end screen. We stole it from um, uh, Virginia Tech, uh, Fuente. They ran it against us, so we put it in. We hit it a couple times where it was off the power action where you're pulling a guard. and you Oh, tight yeah. Yeah, and it's beautiful. Is that backside linebacker screwed no matter what? I mean, he mm-hmm. can't win. You know, you better be driving a safety on that backside. If you're not driving a safety, you know, it, it was good stuff. And I think the more you can do with your tight ends, I, I think it's gravy. And I think any play action, and it's harder on the O-line protectionally, whether it's a screen play action, anything you can pull your guard, uh, I think is, is, is pretty golden. Because I think that sucks the line, linebacker up more than anything else. When you ran that power screen, um, I'm assuming you're you're throwing the screen back to the other side, um, away from power. Are, are you getting? And to me, this is the million dollar question: Is are you getting your tackle out first, or are you getting your center out first? We got our uh, tackle. It was whoever was first. Okay. It was usually the center, because our tackle would be punching down. So it was whoever was first. Okay. But it was usually the center got out first. And Were you bringing your play side guard along with it? Now he was running power. We we told him to gap down and run power. Okay. If he got if he got through there, if he felt like, uh, yeah, he he would be the third extra guy. We always told him he was gravy. Yeah, I think that when we were running power a lot, uh, and we've been doing it a, a, quite a bit, that was a great one. Uh, and then we could set up kind of a, a reverse off of that same look, and it was kind of the same guys getting out, just a little bit wider. Um, and, and it was kind of easy to to keep those rules for those guys. And And like you said, those linebackers have to scrape over the top so hard that it leaves that backside wide open. You know, and that's why I don't think people are running power as much. This team's defend it so well now, you know, and right. shoots kind of the best power plays, your tricking plays, that's not running power. You know, it's <laughs> you're defending power, defending power. Well, you don't really run it. You, you act like you're running it, and there are a bunch of trained rats over there now in the power play, so. Well, that's my favorite play off of power was, and maybe just because of the first cool kind of trick play I saw was Michigan State when we got to go up there, ran it to the weak side with a fullback, and the fullback – you know, they only did it against teams that were really logging hard, and they completely bypassed the end and brought the fullback up to linebacker. The guard open pulled all the way for the corner. They fake it to the to the tailback and then hand it to the receiver, but the receiver goes the same side as the power wide, and it was just – it was beautiful. Sure. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think any trick you can do with pullers, because those linebackers are so tied into those guys, you know, I, I think it's – it's great. I like. I mean, I like the gap scheme stuff too. I mean, you talk about RPO. You know, reading the backside. You know, bump linebacker. As soon as they see pull, they're flying over the top. You know, being able to throw the RPO, and then not only that, now teaching your offensive line like, hey man, when we double team, we're quote reading the backside linebacker. You guys can literally stay on the double the whole time. So honestly, it it helped our. You know, it it really helped our our run game, especially when we're running like counter RPO. You know, when teams are starting out holding the backside linebacker and playing him on the screen, 
it, you know, it would help that double team. And all of a sudden now we, we'd see major creases because the, the demeanor of the offensive line was, well, hell, I don't have to worry about that guy coming off. We're throwing on him. Yeah. So it, it ended up being a really, really good, good adjustment for us to protect our gap schemes. There's no doubt. That backside linebacker is damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. You know, and it slows him down the rest of the game. Coach, you talked about how good a play action can be if you can pull a guard. Um, I think that I always get scared of it because, uh, you, to me, I'm kind of leaving my tackle out to dry a little bit. You know, do I, do I punch him down and try to get the end to sink or do I kick him out and play pass protection right now? But then, um, you know, the, the angle gets kind of screwed up and it's even harder for him. What are your maybe coach points for that backside tackle uh, when you are doing the the pull protections? It's so funny you bring that up. And it's – I say I love pulls for the play action. I don't love it for the protection, <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and then it gets down to who's the backside three technique. And, you know, is your center going to be able to get back there? And how much help does the tackle have to get that – you give on that three technique, you know, if it's Aaron Donald, or I use him, or any good three technique, you better believe we're putting two hands on that three technique and snapping back, which does stress that tackle a lot. It stresses it a lot. And it's really by how good is your, your tackle that's doing it on the punch and peel or the gap hinge or whatever you're calling it on that backside, and how good is your center, and how good is the three technique. And – does it change week to week? Absolutely. Absolutely. You may have a bad three technique and a ridiculous D end, and you may say, center, that guy is yours. You, are, you better get back or you're not getting help. I've also pulled the center against a really, really good three technique instead of the guard. I don't hmm. think the actions is good, um, but I've done that before in the past. And, you know, I think the biggest problem I have with pulling the guard in the protection, in a gap protection where you pull in the guard, isn't necessarily the backside tackle on the gap hinge. It's the cross plug in the middle or the inside blitz. Um, and we got caught a couple years ago, first game of the year against Albany. It's like third play. We're going to take a shot out of this gap protect. You know, we're pulling. Well, cross plug comes late. We don't get, get our solid call in when we're not pulling. Boom, they get two right through the A-gap. We cut one loose, hits the quarterback pick, you know, third play of the season. So I think there's pros and cons to it. I think it's great when you're playing a team that doesn't move. I think if team's on the move, I want to be – I don't want to be pulling people. Mm. That, that's I, just my own personal opinion. I've, I've kind of been against it until now. Our, our offense coordinator brought us – and I forget what college was doing it, but – they were just gashing people off of, off of that, but they were doing it off of power read. He said they didn't even run power read, but they always ran power read play action, uh, and it was huge for them. So I'm kind of excited to, to kind of start looking into maybe running power read a couple times, but then seeing what that power read uh, play action shot would look like. What we, what we had what was awesome for us is the power read, pulling the guard, so if you're 20, you talk about 20 personnel is you're running power read that fullback or whoever the front side guy is in an arc. Well, now you, you send them down the chute and you play action and you run your number two strong across to the opposite hash. And you're basically running four verticals off of power read action. You can get some matchups off that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. 
Good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, coach, kind of coming up on an hour now. Um, but the, the thing that I always like to ask guys before we cut them loose is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? How they finish plays and how they run to the ball. That's first and foremost. Um, when I watch a team play, you, and I think you see that on special teams too, you know, how are they running? Are they hitting? I think that, that can tell you how they're coached. But I think for an offensive line coach, are these guys running every play? Are these guys picking their running backs up? Are these guys uh, picking their quarterback up? Are these guys fighting for every inch? I think, you know, you can drop all the schemes you want. But if those guys up front aren't running and playing hard and punching people and being physical and picking up their teammates and being the leader of the pack, the whole team, setting the tone for the whole team, then I think you got a problem. And when I watch team, I'm like, oh, watch these guys. These guys get after it right here. You know, it's not necessarily scheme. Obviously, technique. You like to see good technique and good stances and coming off the butt. Do they finish plays? You know, do they pick their teammates up? Do they congratulate their teammates? Do they die to protect their quarterback? You know, I think that's, that's what I would look for. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.